Oh, hey. Welcome to that show that you haven't heard from in four months. It's me, Haley, your host. Uh, before the show starts, I just wanted to do a quick disclaimer of... It's been a while since we've tried recording, and evidently the last six minutes of Steven's audio for this episode have been lost. Uh, however, I have decided not to cut my own audio. Uh, there might be some call and response that sounds uh, kind of strange without Steven's response, but I felt that the story was too good to not include uh, the end of. But in any case, I hope that you enjoy it. And I would like to apologize that this is not the continuation of the Hearst story. I'll get there eventually. I wasn't meant to do two-parters. Enjoy. Alrighty. Welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary. This is a podcast all about... Well, the wacky and strange and crazy things that rich people have bought throughout the ages, because as long as rich people have had money, they've been spending that money on stupid crap. Uh, I'm your host, Haley, and over there is my co-host, Steven. Hello, what's up, everybody? It's been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute. You know, a lot of stuff has happened in that hot minute that has made it feel like a hot year. Oh, God, it's been... This is the longest decade I've ever experienced. (laughs) All all within the last four months. It's it's been a decade. It's been so long. Yeah, apologies, everyone, that we took a four-month hiatus without really announcing it. We had high hopes, and then just this dumpster fire of a year kept getting busier somehow. I don't even understand how that worked, but I was working some crazy hours for a chunk of time. Uh, Steven is still working some crazy hours, but has been kind enough to to get back in the game with me. Uh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's finally started to settle down. Um, so so I am in uh, I'm in commercial insurance and it's just been it's been bananas. You know, all these businesses that have lost so much money. A lot of a lot of them have had to shutter their doors and it's just been it's been super heartbreaking. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of business owners over the last few months, and it's just been devastating. There's, there's been no precedent for it. Um, you know, insurance, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of jargon, a lot of complex stuff with insurance, but just basically put, you know, there was nothing mandating any sort of coverage with COVID. And so that's, yeah. it's been a big struggle, you know, um, but most, you know, these carriers are really bending over backwards and, and, and trying to help out as much as possible, um, even to go as far as revising some of their provisions in their policies to help give a little bit of money in the event something like this were to happen again. Obviously not, you know, a full no. amount because that yeah. would just be astronomical. There, there, there wouldn't be enough money for, you know, to go around for everybody. But at least they're doing something. So uh, yeah. my hat's I'm off sure to seeing them. all that. I'm sure seeing all that just took an emotional toll on you. Oh, my God. I, I just can't even imagine how exhausting that would be. <laughs> it's been exhausting. Yeah, um, it, it's been good. I've learned a lot. And, you know, but at the same time, I've gotten to hear a, a, a lot of really cool stories about um, there was actually a smaller group of small businesses kind of in the outskirts of, um, you know, small, small town Oklahoma and there were some business owners that actually got together to help support each other financially so yeah. that they wouldn't have to close, you know, and there, there's other stories like that, you know, I'm sure that around the, 
excuse me, around the country um, of just, you know, businesses kind of helping each other out. And I mean, that's the one good thing. I think if we can, if we can just take a, some, some positivity uh, and obviously, you know, the, the world right now, there's a lot of neg- negativity out there, but I'm not all, all about that life. I'm all about the positive life. You know, if, if we could take some positivity, I would say that, you know, very different circumstances and, and not, not to, not to, to run off on this tangent, you know, a very different set of circumstances, but if you look back, you know, September 1, 9-11, uh, you know, 9-11, um, you know, the, the world really, you know, I'm sorry, the world, the U.S. really came together as a people, you know, and really kind of banded together and, you know, that, you know, newfound sense of nationalism, of purpose and of, you know, just uh, community and working together. And I, I think that the last several months, again, it's a different circumstance, but it's brought out everything that's happened has a brought out a lot of weak points about America has brought out a lot of darkness and a lot of, um, evil that, um, America has done, been a part of, or has um, propagated. And, uh, for the lack of better words has been, um, inexcused and allowed to continue for a long time. And I think that on one hand, there is some positive positivity that we can take from this, especially, with us as Americans being here in the States is that, um, you know, we're seeing, you know, racial injustice, we're seeing systemic racism, we're seeing, um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, um, just an acceptance of, you know, people's walks and lifestyles and, you know, all the sort of hatred and animosity. We're seeing all that come to light and we're seeing groups of people band together again and pushing together, you know, for a more positive, uh, a more positive country more positive life. Yes, there's still darkness. Yes, there's still some terrible things that are happening, but um, it, it's that's one thing that I've that I really struggled with over the last several months is how do I see the, the, the goodness in this? How do I, where's the positivity in this? And, you know, all I have to go on is that there are people out there, a majority of people out there who are trying to do the right thing, who are using all this to to kind of push us as, as a people and as a nation towards being better. And I think if that's how I could sum it up is that I think the majority of us want to be better as a people and as a country, and there are steps that are, are going in that direction. So, um, so yeah. So I think all that it has been exhausting, and but it's been it's been worth it. And I think, and it will be worth it. Um, I just know that we're all ready to see some normalcy and to see kind of the, yeah. the end of COVID and the end of um, you know just all the craziness that's out there. I think. So see you in February twenty twenty one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows how long this is going to go on? But I, 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 I'm hoping, I'm hoping for some normalcy here pretty soon. Uh, that would fingers crossed, man. Fingers yeah. crossed that we can join the rest of the first world countries sometime soon. Yeah. But no, that was that was lovely, and I, I like the sentiments that you're bringing of just like, look for the good things that make you feel better and less like the world is absolutely on fire. And I mean, hopefully we can bring a little something, something. I was just going to lead into that. Absolutely. Like we're, we're another positive reason. (laughs) Us. Us. Been missing for four months. (laughs) (laughs) For four months we disappear and we're like, just tremble in the darkness, little gremlins. We care not. (laughs) And here we come. Riding on our white steeds. Yes. And our excessive white steeds. (laughs) 
Oh, there's so many podcasters who have like been keeping it going every single week. I'm just like, I I look at them. I'm like, God, you all are amazing. I Still know. keeping it going. I ended up having to work like sixty something hours just in one week, and I wanted to cry. And so <laughs> that pretty much started the whole train wreck of just not podcasting because I was like, Oh, you know what I want? I want a nap. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I believe, Stephen, I didn't check. I didn't check the last episode of Who Goes First. Right. I'm almost positive it's you. Uh, if I remember correctly, you went first last time because we actually we, we, we weren't sure at that episode as well. But and I remember you going back and looking at the episode before that one. And you're like, <laughs> you, you went first. So I'm going to go first. So, yeah, we need one of those websites that just tells you. who goes first i know of multiple podcasts who have a website but that's because they're larger and fans made it for them and i'm far too lazy to make that myself absolutely so (laughs) so, you know what we rely on we rely on just looking back we only have 25 episodes total it's not that difficult to just go on to castbox and and listen and be like whose voice do i hear first mine or steven's Anyways, I believe it's you. Would you like to take it away? Would you like to regale me with a stupid ass rich person? I would love to. Re- I sure would. Regale- <laughs> I would love to regale you with a stupid ass rich person. Oh my goodness! So, for our listeners, this was an amazing find. Like I have been chopping at the bit, as it were, and that's a actually great euphemism because. Oh um, no. Um, is it a crazy horse lady? <laughs> it's not a crazy horse lady. Um, but uh, today I- I've got a lady um, who uh, we're going to span uh, hotels, dogs, and just general meanness. Um Oh, no, I feel like I know who you're going to. Oh, if it's who I think it is, I'm excited. Okay, go, go, go. So Haley and listeners, have you heard of a lady whose nickname She's infamously known as the Queen of Mean. Yes! Is it Leona Helmsley? It is Leona Helmsley! Yes! Oh, she's so crazy. I don't know, like, a ton about her, but I I know about her dog. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, So, yeah, don't spoil it. So no spoilers for our listeners. I won't, I won't, I won't. won't. Uh, Honestly, I'm surprised that we haven't covered her in the last 24 episodes, or 25 episodes. It is shocking, It's so shocking, (laughs) yes, because when when I stumbled onto her, I was like, oh my goodness, this lady... So I would love to – so yeah, let's just dive into Leona Hemsley. Um, so Leona – sorry, Lena Mindy Rosenthal was born July 4th, 1920. We share the same birth month but not the same birthday. She was born on an Independence Day, which is hilarious in and of itself. Um, Lena, she changed her name several times and she was actually married four times. Uh, in the scope of her life uh, before... She's cycling through them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She's just rolling rolling through them. Uh, her first husband was an attorney named Leo Panzerer. I love that last name, Panzerer. Panzerer. Uh, her second was a man by the name of Joseph Lubim. And then her third husband and fourth marriage was to... Oh, she married Joseph Lubim twice. She married oh, him, she got divorced, divorced him, and, was and then like, married I miss him you, again. And then went back, and then was like, "Nah, I'm actually really done with you." And then her third husband slash fourth marriage was Harry Helmsley, who she met in 1968. So Leona, she was uh, responsible. Well, she was she she was an American businesswoman, 
And um, of course, she uh, throughout her life, some, uh, her lifestyle, and some of the uh, things that she did to people and to those that worked for her. Uh, earned her the nickname Queen of Mean. Um, there was also um, a lot of allegations. Uh, uh, there were so many allegations of tax evasion and fraud and so many other crazy things. Um, you know, she actually served some prison time. I mean, there's just so much about this lady. It's too much to to tell. You know, within a half. You know, within a half hour. Um, I just went on a facial journey listening to that. Oh, I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, before we go any further, Haley, I would love to just let, let, let me just show you a picture um, and just share the, how scary this She's lady looks. The epitome of a Disney, like a Disney villain. Like she, she is Ursula. Up... <laughs> she looks like a mixture of Ursula and uh, Maleficent. Cru- oh, or I Cruella. Or Cruella. That too. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. She looks terrifying can you can you describe for our listeners her face (laughs) okay so first of all she does vaguely look a little umbridge-esque in that she's got that real wide like toad-like face yeah uh she's she's got the bright red lipstick that's happening she's like she obviously cares about her appearance i guess um I don't know who's doing her eyebrows, but they are arched straight up like, yeah, like a Disney villain just drew them on. So she looks consistently like skeptical of you. And she's given a glare at this this camera just like she would rip your heart out sort of situation. She's not smiling. It's a hardcore like closed mouth grimace. Um... And you can, like, ah, I really want to say, like, plastic surgery really feels like it's been done because the face is pulled taut, but the neck is all dangly. So she's got, like, I don't know. It's like someone took an angry chihuahua and then just pulled <laughs> back its face real hard. And then that's that's kind of what I'm seeing. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Was that accurate? Is that Chihuahua might have been the wrong one, but it's definitely some sort of animal. You just grab their face and then scrunch it real hard back. Yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. Um, so, um, so before Leona Hemsley was Leona Hemsley, um, you know, her 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 born name was Leona Mindy Rosenthal, um, but she she changed her name like a million times, um, and she uh, her the, the first name that she was known for a long time was actually Leona Roberts, um, which, and I looked, wait, what was her first husband's name? Yeah. She wasn't married to, she wasn't married to a Roberts. That's, that's the thing. And, and I, cause I looked at where I was like, try to find like, okay, was there like some secret lover that was named Roberts? No. I mean, her, her first husband was Leo Panzerer. Her second and third marriage was Joseph Lubim. And then her fourth was Harry Helmsley. So why did I'm she change? I'm wondering if she just, did she feel like perhaps, her last name was too Jewish, and so she was trying to, like, not get prejudiced against and, like, anglicized her name or something? Probably probably just because Rosenthal um, um, has a Polish-Jewish uh, background, and especially she was born in the 40s, so she probably changed it just to kind of separate herself from her Jewish heritage, especially, like, moving into New York, um, or, or she was bo- well, she was born in New York. Um, but my guess is she probably wanted to separate herself from that, you know, from her Jewish heritage. That's my guess. Um, That's my guess. But anyways, so what she was mostly known for was she was a hotelier. 
she uh, was responsible for building one of the most largest and lavish um, hotel chains uh, in New York City. Um, but in 68, she actually started out as a condominium broker. And that's when she um, uh, she worked that for the majority part of her life. And that's actually as a, when she was a, a condominium broker. That's when she she met and uh, she found her third and third husband, final marriage to Harry Helmsley. Um, together, um, they actually uh, decided to get out of the condominium business. Um, they had already earned well over you know well over a million. You know they were into the millions uh, at that mm. point, and they said, well, you know, let's move into something a little more lucrative, something a little more you know legacy building uh, wise. And so they started concentrating on the hotel industry, uh, and they built the Helmsy Helmsley Palace Hotel on Madison Avenue. Uh, today, it is just called the Palace Hotel. But it is the, still the original building, the original uh, Palace Hotel, one of the premier uh, luxury hotels um, in the world. Um, they actually one of their uh, one of their state rooms um, up on uh, the on the top floor goes for right around fifteen grand a night. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's banana balls. Um, so a couple pictures of the Helmsley Hotel, the Palace Hotel, so you can get a kind of a scope of just how just oh, how, how lavish. Um, it is yeah. white and gold. It is only white and gold. Yes. There's big ass chandeliers and like the doorways are trimmed in the nice gold metal and the wallpapers of the floofy French sort of situation. White and gold. That's that's yeah. That's about as lavish as it gets. That's that. That's the color palette you want to aim for. Yeah. So they so besides the Palace Hotel, they also um, developed um, uh, into the real estate empire uh, that included 20, 230 Park Avenue. Um, they also um, were part of the Empire State Building. Fun fact: um, they were uh, they they were uh, one of the, the, the one one of the bigger key investors in the Empire State Building. Um, when did the Empire State Building get built? It was built. Good. Um, it was built in. My brain was thinking that it was the so Empire it, State. So it was built from 1930 to 1931, but there were um, additions added to it. Find it. There were later additions, like well into the 50s. Okay. Weird. I never considered that. I always just kind of was like, yes, Art Deco, that's the Empire State Building. Done. Right. Um, I, I've never considered, like, ongoing construction. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose repairs are necessary. Mm -hmm. You've given me much to think about, Stephen. So, mm. uh, so by the beginning of 1989, there were 23 hotels uh, in their chain that were directly controlled by Leona Hemsley. So building an empire, building a legacy, um, but there were some ads that had come out and also some, uh, I guess, allega uh, allegations is the better word, because not quite accusations, but allegations that she was a demanding queen who wanted nothing but the best for her guests. And even the slightest mistake was usually grounds for firing, and Hemsley was known to shout insults and obscenities at Target employees just ah. before they were fired. Um, oh, yes. Well, that sounds terrible. Yes. Um, she was very cruel to her employees. Um, contractors that, you know, did additions or updates, they were rarely paid on time, if at all. 
many of them filed lawsuits to recover the lost wages. She would get upset with their work. She would not be happy with it. And sometimes she just wouldn't even pay him. And it'd be like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for this job. And she wouldn't pay him. It's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. She was super terrible to her employees. And also she was especially super to, you know, super terrible Girl, to people. you that... have the money. Oh, she does. You have the money. You can just give that. I'm sure that like whatever couple hundred bucks you need to pay them a week is not going to dry out your bank account. I know. Um, so one account said that she was reported to have told an employee that only little people pay taxes. Oh, honey, and that's not how that works. I hope she goes to jail for fraud or oh, not or tax evasion. Oh, absolutely. There 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 is over 253 cases of fraud Whoa. and tax evasion across the United States for Leona just Hemsley. Hold on. Yeah. Just hold on. I just imagine a lawyer going up to like just like here's a case and a case. And it just makes that nice whoomp noise when you drop it on the table. Yep. 235 counts in both state and federal indictments. But hey, Jesus we're not we're not Christ. we're not there just yet. Oh my god. This is just one of the reasons why she was a extra and completely lavish, but also just a completely cruel person was um whenever she would swim in the hotel swimming pools, you know, during her leisure time. She had a swimming pool attendant who kept a platter of seafood ready for her as she swam. They would drop a shrimp in her mouth as she called out, feed the fishy. <laughs> so imagine she's swimming. She's doing, she's doing her breaststroke. She's doing her side stroke. And she's got this lady that's like watering, wading around the water with her with this bladder of seafood. And every time she's like, oh, feed the fishy. They drop, they drop a shrimp into her mouth. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That, oh, that that tickles me. <laughs> ah, feed the fishy. Because because it's not it's not feed me or shrimp. It's feed, feed the, the fishy. fishy. Yeah, <laughs> feed the fishy. That's uh, amazing. Okay, she might be a bitch, but I like her for that one. Uh, so, in addition to being a super extra and an unpleasant person, um, she also engaged in getting into the illegal activities. Um, in 1986, there were court documents claimed that she failed to pay several thousands of dollars worth of sales tax in New York. She would, A, she would buy jewelry and then have them mail her the empty boxes, thus avoiding the sales tax. What? So she would she would buy the jewelry. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, so then that company would mail her Em, just empty boxes so there would be no Where does, the, does she just walk out of the store with the jewelry yes. you would still have to pay sales tax wait what 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 brain i'm sorry my brain stopped ceasing to function because you would still have to do that at the re i don't get rich people, i know man. i know she bought over five hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry and she avo <gasps> and she avoided paying forty thousand dollars in taxes oh my god that's that's a road. She wrote off her personal furniture as a business expense. Bitch. She also ripped off her stockholders by writing off fees as personal consulting. What? They were later accused of uh, evading a total of $4 million in taxes. They were also accused. Yeah. They were also accused of draining their empire to provide themselves with things such as a $1 million dance floor. One forty-five thousand dollar silver clock, a two hundred thousand dollar 
$210,000 mahogany car table, a $130,000 stereo system, and $500,000 worth of specifically jade art. Why specifically jade? That's what it says. What? She's what? Five hundred thousand and specifically jade art. Specifically jade. What a way to phrase that. I know. Specifically jade. I know. It's great. Uh, so, um, I... so because of so all these federal indictments, so all you know, all these accusations were you know were were compiled starting in eighty nine, and in nineteen ninety two, she was actually sentenced to sixteen years in prison, which was actually reduced to four years. But after that, all eight, all of the charges were dropped. What the fuck? What? She deserves jail time. That's and there, pretty, that's and there, bullshit. I know, and there, but there's no explanation to why they were dropped. Um, she was fined seven point seven five million dollars, and forced to do over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of community service. She was released in 1994 after spending um, eighteen months in a federal prison in Connecticut. So she did serve some time in prison, apparently, um, and she spent uh, actually one month. Uh, oh, sorry three months total uh in a house arrest in her plush penthouse in park Lane. oh yeah house arrest that's real that's real trying on the soul being in your lush ass penthouse and you're with your servant feeding the fishy do you want to know what she did while she was in prison oh no of course you have this information yes i want to know she would hire inmates to make her bed and to serve as her secretaries what? Yeah. <laughs> she would she would literally quote unquote hire them for her to make her bed and to be her personal secretary. That's only that's that's a twin size bed, Leona. That is not that hard to make. Oh no. That is that's just throwing your sheets back over. But her personal secretary, what business does she have happening in jail that she cannot keep track of it herself, that she needs someone following her around? <laughs> but know. you know what you know i mean she was probably an absolute asshole to those people but i can mm-hmm. only hope that she paid them more than the prison industrial complex would have paid them for any jobs that they were doing i know <sighs> but there is a small light in her life we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna do a sandwich we're, there's gonna be shit on the bottom there's a little bit of light in the middle then shit capping it off okay this is a bad sandwich so oh yeah it's yeah, she she's a terrible sandwich um <laughs> she's a, she, she's a terrible sandwich 100 percent. she's the worst kind of sandwich uh anyways she uh she had a little bit of i guess rede- she had a small redemption arc i guess like very very small um because the later part of her life before she passed she she did try to help turn around her 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 tarnished reputation, um, she did contribute over twenty five million to the New York Presbyterian Hospital. Uh, wow, that's she, something! Wow. She contributed to a uh, five million to Hurricane Katrina relief efforts, and she donated five million to the families of firefighters after nine eleven. Okay, she, that's hey, I know Leona, it's we, something. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Absolutely, I could have said it better myself. Um, but un- unfortunately, all good things must come to a close. Unfortunately, we must <laughs> add the second layer of shit to our shit sandwich. So Leona Helmsley died of congestive heart failure on Monday, 20th, August, 2007. She was 87. After she... Old pe- like, old, mean people, like, mean old people mm-hmm. 
with a lot of money. They tend to just sort of live so much longer than you would expect. I know. So after she died, you know, she she was worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars. She decided after her death and her will, she left. And you know where this is going. I do know where this is she going. She left $12 million <laughs> to her dog, Trouble. His name <laughs> and completely cut out all of her grandchildren, completely cut them off, and donated all that she had, her entire net worth, to her dog Trouble, that he would have a lavish lifestyle for the rest of his life. And he was buried alongside her in the Hemsley Mausoleum. I didn't know about the mausoleum. Oh, listeners! It is in the sleepy. Oh, it is in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Westchester County, New York. It's a 12,000 square foot mausoleum. Guys, I had the reaction I did because the moment that those words came out of Stephen's mouth, he sent me the image of what this looks like. And it straight up is, it's like Corinthian marble columns and like an art deco door that says helmsley at the top it looks like it's a mon it look you know it looks really similar to thomas jefferson's monument in dc mm -hmm. but not round yeah i know yeah this it, it straight up looks like a D it would belong as a dc monument and the fact that her dog trouble is buried in there with her is amazing to me but also the other photo that Steven sent me, which will be available on the Instagram and Twitter, uh, at outrageously unnecessary on Instagram, at oh unnecessary pod on Twitter. Um, he sent me a picture of her sitting on just an old lady esque couch uh, with her <laughs> dog, and like this thing is the tiniest little white floof ball with a little black button nose, a little black button eyes, yeah. and he's just kind of like squished in her arms and is like eh. and her face is just I don't Steven how do you describe her face I have no idea how to describe her face it's it's just every goddamn year of plastic surgery has finally cohesed into one play-doh lump that's mean but it's true you know I look at that photo and it's like if plastic surgery like act like the the, the term plastic surgery became sentient and said, <laughs> here I am, world, to fuck you all right in the face. Moisturize me. Yes. Yes. It's, that's it. If plastic surgery. It's if, Cassandra. If, if, it's <laughs> if plastic surgery was sentient, then that's her face. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. I just feel bad because this dog looks so unimpressed with whatever's happening the, right now it's just like why am i here this dog's like oh kill me <laughs> please kill me now <laughs> that's probably what he's saying sorry trouble uh so do you have more information about the 12 million dollars that went to her dog because i remember something happening court wise with that um let me see if i uh i closed out of it yes um let me put it back up if I can, if I can preface, what I remember from this is that uh, basically all of her grandchildren went, yes. hey, what the fuck? Yes, the judge actually- <laughs> And then sued the dog. Yes, they sued the dog, and actually the judge later knocked it down to $2 million, 
Um, so the dog only got two million instead of twelve. And then um, because basically, if if I remember, the judge was like, she wants to maintain a certain lifestyle for her dog. Her dog at that point was already like eight or nine years old and was only going to live, you know, maybe a max of like five or six years. Mm -hmm. And so two million is plenty for like, because she would treat him to what, like pedicures and yeah. weekly like spa <laughs> treatments. And... Yeah. Um, she said that, uh, Helmsley said that uh, she could, uh, that the dog could manage on $100,000 a year. $8,000 for the grooming and then 1200 for food and the rest for his fee and a full-time security guard. I love that he has a security guard, not just a caretaker, mm -hmm. a security a secu guard. A security guard. Security. Is that because security? Uh, is that because so many people would be after the dog because they think that if they were to kill the dog, they would they would inherit the money? That's not how inheritance works. Yeah, that's literally not how inheritance works. Maybe maybe, maybe kidnap the dog and hold it for ransom. Ah, that's a, that's a thought. That's a thought. But the thing is, though, the the dog, quote unquote, has access to the money. Nobody else does because the family's not tied into that. Who so, is acting on behalf of the dog? Exactly my point. Like, they're, if they're going to try to kidnap and get a ransom, you know, they're going to have to like you know have a conversation with trouble and you know <laughs> bark once for yes, bark <laughs> twice, twice for no. For no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes and i can imagine how that conversation went uh you, you could you could say they were in a rough position you know no <laughs> get out of here with your puns i didn't miss those uh, yeah well i'm sorry it, it, it was just a hairy situation Oh, <laughs> you could say they were in a lot of trouble <laughs> uh, okay i'll allow that right. one that one was that one was funny right, I'm, I'm done so yeah so uh leona hemsley the queen of mean crazy dog lady um crazy person in general a lot of money <sighs> opulence a lot of wealth. money and overall just awful human <laughs> being who did a couple of nice things for charity yes yes yeah uh a yeah yeah two rights don't make a wrong Leona, or two wrongs don't make a... You know you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> two tried. two rights don't make a Steven. more right, okay? Two rights don't make a more right after a full life of wrong, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, you got there in the end. You really worked for it, I though. I did. I did. I worked hard for it. Yep. I worked hard like a dog uh, works for treats. Trouble didn't have to lift a paw in his life. Nope, nope. He was probably force-fed some treats. Potentially, yeah. Mm. So, <sighs> there you have it, Haley. There we, I'm so glad that you covered her. She's been on my list for a long time, but I've never actually like written anything about her. Mm. Uh, so how about some chump change? Chump change, chump change. Chump change. You know, so... I actually, I, I found something and, you know, because going back on the, the dog things, uh, mm -hmm. there, there are some crazy expensive pet treats out there, like stupid expensive pet treats. Oh. Like for like, there's like one pack of, of like these natural all organic pet, pet, uh, pet treats that for a, oh, how much is it? It's like, oh. A four ounce bag 
is fifty dollars. What? For like these natural, what is it? Are all organic? It's what is it? It is crazy. Dot, uh, what is it? Crazy something. I gotta, I gotta look it back up. I'll find it and I'll send it to you, Haley. But it was like some natural all organic pet treat. It was like oh, a, it was crazy expensive. They do know their dogs rarely taste the treats that they eat, right? Yeah. So they just like they just snarf it in seconds. Like there's, it's just inhaling at that point, and you're like, did you taste that? You seem to have enjoyed that. Yeah. Like... Oh, where mm. is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh well, okay. no, this well, this is oh. it. I found it. I found it. It's way more expensive than I thought. Um, oh no. Organicpetboutique.com has a treat that is fit for a king. Organic Pet Boutique's Kobe Beef and Truffle Jerky Treats are made Kobe beef? are made with all natural Kobe beef and are infused with some of the world's most expensive truffle oil. Guess how much an eight ounce bag of this dog treats are? Well, I mean, like an eight ounce steak of Kobe beef is like fifty bucks. So, a hundred, two hundred? It's a thousand dollars. Whoa! For one Why? eight ounce bag of Kobe beef and truffle jerky. Uh, can I? Is it? And is no, it okay Kaylee, for human I am not jerking your chain. No, <laughs> you stop that immediately. Is it safe for human consumption? Because legitimately, like, my dog doesn't have the most discerning of taste buds. She sniffs other dogs' butts, and, like, her favorite thing that she gets to eat is, like, usually covered in dirt because she just oh, loves rolling in dirt. So, like, all dog food and pet treats can are, I yeah, eat the yeah. pet treats? All pet treats and dog food, you know, is fine for human consumption. So, like, just a real quick story. Like, so my daughter, Stella, she's, she's two, almost three. Um, there's some really close friends of ours that we go over to their house um, every week and, and play D&D, right? Well, they have two large dogs, and their food bowls are in the kitchen. Stella loves to go and eat the dog food for whatever reason. And we try to train her out of it. We don't know what it is about it. But, like, we're, she's playing with, you know, with their kids and da 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 Like, you know, we step into the other room for, like, a few minutes, and we hear Crunch, and we crunch, go in the crunch, kitchen crunch. and she's just sitting there just looking up just bloop, popping another one in we're like no and her breast smells horrible it is the worst oh i thought it's her breast so smells bad. absolutely awful but, that's your daughter's disgusting but but to make you feel better i used to eat potting soil as a child so well i mean my brother ate rocks hmm Kids, man, we all just find the things that you're not supposed to eat. True. Very true. My mom definitely has a photo of me standing next to, like, a potted plant with, like, just a fist full of dirt up at my mouth. With a fist full of dirt? Yeah. Nice. Yep, she caught that on film. That is forever a family memory in the scrapbook. <laughs> so, would you like to hear the chump change that I have? I would love to. I am going to send you a photo. Ooh. It is wonderful. <laughs> Let me see. They are. Describe <gasps> them for me, Stephen. <gasps> Can I just say that I love them? Like, I really do. <laughs> like, I really do love them. Like, okay, so, listeners, what I'm looking at here is from the wilds of Africa, but probably made somewhere domestically, and if they're not made domestically, they're probably made overseas, I'm looking at two chandeliers 
and the chandeliers are gracefully dangling on a uh, a chain link that is being uh, held aloft by a giraffe it's mouth. <laughs> So I'm looking at a full-size giraffe, no less. Yes, so that is 13 feet of giraffe height. So I'm looking at a beautiful courtyard. I I see some bushes. I see some nice arches. Those are some nice arches, and I'm looking at two. They look like marble, uh, but they're 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 all white, um, not not spotted white giraffes, with these chained uh, chandeliers hanging from their mouth, and it is actually pretty fucking glorious. Oh my gosh! There's there's also a wall-mounted version of the chandelier giraffe, and it's just the neck and head. The chandelier is still dangling out of it. Guess how much the full thirteen foot size version costs? Twelve grand. More. Okay, let's do twenty-five grand. More. It costs forty thousand dollars for one giraffe Ooh, chandelier. Forty thousand. And that's actually okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So designed by an Italian artist, these giraffes come in three different sizes. The biggest one stands at four meters tall, which is around thirteen feet, which is approximately the height of a young giraffe. Um, then there is a chandelier that consists only of. Uh, the giraffe's neck and head, which is uh, the wall-mounted version. And then there's an extra small version that is called Giraffe in Love, and he's only 100 centimeters tall. Giraffe in Love. I love it. So cute. Uh, but they come in both white and black. The wall-mounted version is $4,000 in case you have, like, that's a mildly more affordable than the 13-foot tall giraffe, but it's still a lot. But it's still a lot. But it's still a lot. They are very pretty, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just enjoy looking at these b- b- wonderful giraffes. I enjoy having, like, the idea of an estate where you're just walking around your English countryside gardens and then there's just a courtyard with giraffe chandeliers in them. <laughs> it's so... It's, it, it's like, it's lavish and it's a bit extra. But if you have the money to just throw and do something, like, lavish, I... I could see, I could see doing that. Like it is both weird and tasteful. It absolutely, it's 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 it rides that line really well. It does. It doesn't. So, anyways, that's my chump change. Love it. Da 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 to chump change. Like I know that I, I know that there's like a little jingle thing, but still, I like doing my own. Da 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 da. Chump change. Ah. Uh, so Haley, what do you got for us today? What I have for you is we're going back to the late 1700s, early 1800s. Yeah. Yes, our favorite sort of weirdo. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so, to begin. It has been a theme through history that those with clear traits of strange behavior, whether it's mental illness or just personality quirks, uh, tend to get a pass from society if they happen to have money. Yes? Yes, yes. Yes. So, their behaviors get them the label of eccentric or quirky. And those happen to be my favorite Google search terms when I'm looking for new topics. Um, like eccentric rich person, quirky rich person. Yes. That usually, that gets you where you're aiming for on the, the search for strange rich folks. Yes. Um, 
So, in any case, uh, the man that I'm going to be talking about is definitely not the exception to the rule. He is a rich motherfucker who, in any other case, should have been jailed, but because he was filthy rich, people just sort of was like, mm, he's weird. So, his name is John Mad Jack Mitten. Ooh, what a nickname. Mad Jack. Mad Jack. Oh, oh, hey, lads, Mad Jack's over there. Ah. He's riding a bear. <laughs> oh, Ooh, really? A bear? We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so, before I start, let me just say, I got all of my information from Wikipedia. All of it. All of the photos that I will be sending you. Well, I suppose the paintings, but all the images I will be sending you will also be of Wikipedia or origin. <coughs> so... Born September 30th, 19... Er, 19? I am in the wrong century. 19. 1796. Yes, there's 17, not 19. Uh, 1796, Jack Mitten was born to a long line of Shropshire squire... I know I'm saying that wrong. Shropshire? It's Shropshire. Yeah. Shropshire squires. Uh, when he was only two years old, sweet baby Johnny Boy's father died. Uh, this left a two-year-old... Uh, as the inheritor of the family seat of Halston Hall in Whittington, which was worth uh, 60,000 pounds at the time. Guesses on how much that's worth today? Mm, 60,000 with inflation? Probably... $100 million? Uh... No, actually significantly less than that. It's $4.3 million, but still, that's a lot of money for a two-year-old. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I do have a note here that just says, have we ever talked about how inheritance is fucking stupid? No, don't give it to his mom. Give it to a two-year-old. And don't pull all that. A guardian is in charge of it until he comes of age, crap. I think it's stupid. I have that written. Um, <laughs> apparently, I was, apparently, I was very angry You're at the very end of upset two-year-old getting that. this money. <laughs> okay. <sighs> The family seat also comes with an annual income of £10,000, which was more than three quarters of a million today. Oh. And uh, the hall also came with 132,000 acres of land. So, two years old, absolutely loaded in both assets and money. Um, Brutal. Mm-hmm. So, starting off life with a major silver spoon. Fast forward to Jack as a child. He goes to private school and is expelled almost immediately for fighting with the headmaster. Naturally. He goes to an, he goes to another school after that, is expelled after three terms. Mom says, maybe school isn't for you. How about some private tutors? And Jack says, allow me to make their lives absolutely miserable with so many practical jokes it hurts. Mm. So <laughs> he, he tortured his tutors because... Uh, any Jack, uh, any guesses as to one of the jokes? I'm gonna stop you right there. You're absolutely correct. He did leave a horse in his tutor's bedroom. Uh, oh, gosh, I'd, I'd hate to be at the ass end of that joke. <laughs> it's a horse, not a donkey. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. So no, so, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, he he did stuff like that where he would just like leave animals around or you know enough that the jokes probably made the lives of both his tutors and the servants who had to clean up after him just suck <laughs> so much man this guy sounds like a horse of a different color if you ask me 
Oh, no. I'm, oh, I'm not going to... I was going to say I'm not going to dignify you with an answer, but I already, I already had a response. Dang it. Um, here's a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, Despite having achieved very little academic, uh, yeah, academically, Mitten was granted entry to Trinity College, Cambridge. He matriculated in January 1816, but according to the alumni, oh, Cantabriginesis, that was a word I was not expecting to have to read. Cantabriginesis, alumni Cantabriginesis. I assume, Jesus, that's a hard word. Okay. Uh, according to the alumni, it is doubtful that he took up his place, although there are claims he took 2,000 bottles of port to sustain himself during his studies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he certainly was not awarded a degree, having found university life boring, and then embarked on a grand tour. <laughs> nice. 2,000 bottles of port. Two th that, mm. And port was not was never it, port has never been cheap like it's always like been more expensive than the liquors can i just explain how much i hate port garrett loves really port. he thinks it's delicious to me it's super syrupy and so i can't stand yeah it. It, it's 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 very sweet it's you know you, you typically don't drink a whole whole lot of it like it's typically like an after an after it's dinner like a it's, it's a dessert very wine. much a dessert wine um yeah it's heavier it's a little bit thicker it's a little you know it's very very sweet um, it coats your tongue. Yes, yes. Um, it's see when, whenever I hear port, I, I think of like a refined English gentleman sitting in uh, a smoking room with a smoking jacket next to a fireplace, sipping a glass of port on a, a bearskin rug. Drink and bring me the port. So tell me, tell me, old boy, tell me about uh, old Tottenshire. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that, that's what I think of when I ever I hear the word port. Or pi I feel that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Or you could think like you could uh, you could from now on think of a 20 year old man bringing 2000 bottles of port with him to college saying, nah, college is really boring. And then just piecing the fuck out of there. Ah, what a guy. What a guy. Ah. All right. So after his grand tour. Which, you know what a Grand Tour is, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. For anyone who doesn't know, a Grand Tour is basically, uh, it is now, it's what college kids now do is like the backpacking trip around Europe sort of situation. For them, it was more like you go to all the major, uh, European places of like knowledge and power and, and you learn via experiencing different cultures etc cetera, etc cetera, but they're usually a lot fancier than like staying in a hostel right and this was this was after the the port incident like he like just dropped this off and left yeah yeah yep so so he was so <laughs> again he certainly was not awarded a degree i enjoy the phrasing of that certainly not um, Was okay so was wait did you say was he in the navy was he a sailor so he joins the army oh I thought he was a sailor um, because you said he left port and went to stay abroad. So he left port and went to uh, went to have an adventure. So, no, he left uh, port the wine, <laughs> <laughs> or he drank all the port. Not sure. <laughs> you know, honestly, with him, he probably drank all the port. Probably. Left. Um, yeah, I don't see him sharing that. Uh, he joins the army. This is an inco inconsequential part of his life because he spent the entire service drinking and gambling. So moving on. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, <laughs> Naturally. He goes. 
<laughs> he goes back home uh, to take up his seat. He's finally of age. He decides, oh, I'm going to run for parliament. It's 1819. He secures his seat by bribing voters with 10 pounds each. He's literally going door to door and being like, hey, vote for me. Here's a 10 pound bill. <laughs> so he wins. Of course he does. He's, of course, of he, course does. he does. He spends 10,000 pounds total on bribes. That's 10,000 votes. Hey, yeah. you do what you so, got to do. It's You do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it's 10,000. It's up. Yeah, so uh, that was, remember, 10,000 pounds, that's his whole, that's a whole year of income for him. Because remember that his uh, his seat that his father left him in his inheritance came with a 10,000 pound stipend a year. That's right. And also, I can't do math. That's a thousand people. That's a thousand votes. I was also thinking that, yeah. but then I was like, I can't do math off the top of my head. I'm not going to correct you because if I was going to be wrong, I didn't want both of us to be wrong and for it to just be bad times. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing I caught it. So, yes. So, uh, yeah, a thousand votes. So, he gets a thousand votes. Uh, he spends one whole year of income. He, he's a politician. This is, he's, no, no, he's not. <laughs> he's really not. I, <laughs> the next sentence is probably one of the best sentences. Okay, I can't wait. He goes to his first meeting in Parliament. He spends 30 minutes in there and then leaves... And never comes back. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, yes. Yes. He spent $10,000, walked in, stayed for 30 minutes, decided, wow, this is boring, and then just left. <laughs> <sighs> so the next year, 1820, uh, when asked if he was going to run again, he declined. <laughs> he declined. Of course he did. What a guy. <laughs> He's a politician now. <laughs> so instead of doing government things, he goes and does what he does best, which is gambling. Uh, remember, that entire army thing that we skipped over spent that whole thing gambling. Right, right. Uh, he spends time at the racetracks. He buys a horse named Euphrates. Ooh, it okay. wins a big cup race. I couldn't tell you which cup race because I don't care. Uh, he then commissions a painting of him and Euphrates, and this is... Oh my gosh, please uh, tell me you have a... I do have a painting. Oh my goodness, look at this guy. He's he's a fancy lad. He's a fancy lad on top of his big brown horse and his, like, 20 hunting dogs that are in this painting. Why Jesus. is his horse's tail so weird? And that uh... horse looks anemic. The horse looks startled beyond belief. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The horse has the big wide eyes of like, please, God, help me. <clears throat> but the tail, the tail, I think it's just been cut short. So it sticks out funny. Yeah. That tends to be um, like a stylized uh, cut. They still do it to horses nowadays, but I haven't been oh, involved really? in the horse scene since I was five. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That poor horse. Yeah, like there's there's different ways of, of doing a horse's tail. I is it wrong if I say my assumption for keeping a horse's tail bobbed like that is like poop reasons? Oh, so poop doesn't get in the tail? Yeah. At least that's my thought. Okay. I could be horribly wrong and it could just be a fashion thing. Could, we don't know. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, anyway, so he gets Euphrates. Uh, he loves Euphrates. Yes, he does. He loves horses. Oh, boy. He loves horses a lot. So, quoting again from Wikipedia. It is said that in 1826, in order to win a bet, he rode a horse into the Bedford Hotel opposite of the town hall in Leamington, uh, in Leamington Spa, up the grand staircase and onto the balcony from which he jumped, still seated on his horse, over the diners in the restaurants below, and out through the window onto the parade. I mean, can you just imagine as a diner just sitting there and this guy just comes up and just with his horse and just starts jumping over tables? That would be a that'd be crazy. He he goes up the grand staircase, gets onto the big ass balcony, and then is like, heave ho, let's let's jump twenty feet down. Um, yeah. It should be noted, horse was fine. He was fine. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Everyone was just kind of freaked out. I, I was wondering about the horse. I was like, that would have broken the broken the horse's legs. I would imagine. But. Apparently the horse was fine, uh, which is good. I don't know if the horse was Euphrates, though, but uh, yeah, no, he's got a weird thing for horses. Like I said, he spends a lot of time at the track. Mm. So uh, aside from gambling at the racetrack and riding horses upstairs, uh, Mad Jack Mitten really, really enjoyed hunting foxes. He did it any time of the year, but the most notable fact about him is that in the winter... He would wear really light clothes starting out on his hunt, and then in the thrill of the hunt, he would get so excited, he would strip butt naked, and then continue riding his horse to go after the fox. <laughs> okay. Like I said, wow. uh, he, he, earned the, he earned the pass of eccentric, not something's wrong with this man. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, butt naked, snow. Goes after Fox. He loved hunting so much that even if he was seriously injured, he just kind of kept going. Uh, like, there was points where he had broken ribs and was like, no, we have to keep going. Come on, boys. Um, and then other winter activities, uh, he would give stable boys ice skates and then make them chase rats around a frozen pond. I don't know what that means. I'm sure that says something about his uh, psycho social behavior i'm sure uh, yeah it's to me it feels like uh, it was just entertainment for him sure. and because everyone's like slip sliding around and it makes it fun i don't i have no hmm. idea but One can here's a fun, yeah i have no idea but quote not only did he mind accidents he positively liked them <laughs> <laughs> he loved accidents Yes, that is that is something that uh, one of his colleagues said of him. I don't know who. Fair. You can look it up on Wikipedia. Again, I got all my information from Wikipedia. Okay, so Jack, as we know by now, really liked spending money. He had a wardrobe consisting of a hundred fifty pairs of hunting breeches, and pause on this quote. He, why would you have so many hunting breeches if you just strip naked, Jack? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Save. I don't know. Save on. Continuing the quote. Oh. He had 700 pairs of handmade hunting boots. He had 1,000 hats. Unreal. And some 3,000 shirts. Ugh, unreal. This guy. I already hate him. Yeah. <sighs> don't you worry. He, he gets a, a good end. Um, he would leave banknotes all over his property, but no one really knows if that was on purpose or if he just lost track of his money because he had so much of it. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. 
So, uh, you know how in the uh, horse portrait, there were many dogs at the feet of the horses, all of his hunting dogs? Yep, I'm still looking at it. Yeah, so guess how many dogs he had on his estate. 200. More. 500. More. 1,000. 2,000. Oh my goodness, hey, 2,000 wins. Go for the hand. Oh. <laughs> going once, going twice. 2,000 hunting dogs for the man with... Too many breaches. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, were, were they all the same breed or just? I don't know if they were all the same breed. I don't have that information. But what I do know is that uh, specifically his favorite dogs, not all the dogs, his favorite dogs were fed steak and champagne. Of course they were. And, di- of course and they died were. shortly thereafter. I was just thinking, like, they can't drink champagne. Like, grapes are toxic for, <laughs> for dogs. Yeah, they can't process that. So, hey, you committed a... Dog murder. A little doggy genocide. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Oh. So here's hoping that the least favorite dogs at least survived. Um Ugh. So um and then we were talking about how much he loved horses. Uh he loved his horse Baronet so much that he would bring Baronet inside the house and they would both lay in front of the fire. So mm. yay, just a boy and his horse. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, Baronet also actually had free reign of the inside of the house. So he didn't like stay in the stables or anything. He just got to clip clop his little heart around wherever he wanted inside the mansion. <sighs> Hooray for Baronet. Uh, my goodness. Uh, I just really like the idea of them like snuggling together in front of the fire on a bearskin rug. <laughs> yep. Well, one th- <laughs> I wish I had a painting of that. One thing's for sure. He probably wasn't a good neighbor. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. So, uh, in another instance, Mitten arrived uh, at a dinner party riding a bear. Oh, yes, the bear. Good, we're getting here. I'm, I've been waiting for this. Okay, uh, there is a painting of it. Oh, of course it, there is. So, I'm sending, I'm sending you this painting now. <gasps> it's a little bear. Wait, uh, I've seen this painting. I, <laughs> so. Yeah, I 100% have seen this painting. I didn't know it was him. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's he's riding a tiny bear and all the like guests in the painting are just like, oh, like uh, standing up on chairs or whatever. And he just is happy. Apparently, the bear was like totally fine with being ridden up until the point that Jack decided to use his spurs on it, at which point the bear promptly bit him in the calf. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, bear. You don't take that type of abuse. Absolutely. Bear doesn't take shit from anyone. Oh my goodness. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, there's really there's really not a lot of information on the bear thing. I, I don't even know how he found a bear. No. Wait, did you say there's barely any information on it? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. I don't hate you, but I hate you. <laughs> okay. So, um, Jack got his inheritance at age 21. And by age 36, he had spent every goddamn penny he had. <laughs> yes. He was in huge debt. And then his agent told him if he were re- were to reduce his spending down to only 6,000 pounds a year, 
he wouldn't be in debt. And Jack's response was, quote, I wouldn't give a damn to live on 6,000 pounds a year. He's such a drama queen. <laughs> He's such a drama queen. He's like, what? So dramatic. Remember, he gets 10,000 pounds a year, and he's being asked to only spend 60% of that, and he's like, fuck you. <laughs> 10,000 pounds was about 750,000 today. It's still plenty to live off of. It's still plenty. No, he's got to instead get his 2,000 dogs fed. <laughs> so... He ends up fleeing to France to avoid the creditors that were after him. And he ended up on a steep mental decline when he was there. Uh, his mental faculties, definitely not all there. Uh, so there's, there's an incident that uh, apparently one time he ended up getting the hiccups. And uh, he decided that the only way to get rid of his hiccups was to set his shirt on fire. Uh, so so he, set the, he set his shirt on fire. And proceeded to scare the absolute living crap out of the the maid who was trying to help him. But um, once they had, like, beaten the fire out, he ended up <laughs> he ended up being like, Ah, see? The hiccups are gone. <laughs> and then he went to bed. <laughs> this guy. Are you, did, <laughs> have you received the portrait of, of the fire incident? He's just on fire. But, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, here we have. <laughs> so, um, so one of his friends was there, apparently. It was the man, uh, Charles James Aberley, who wrote under the pseudonym Nimrod. Uh, <laughs> Nimrod was there. And according to Wikipedia, this is how it goes. It goes, quote, Damn this hiccup, said Mitten, as he stood undressed on the floor, apparently in the act of getting into bed. But I'll frighten it away. So, seizing a lighted candle, applied to the tail of his shirt, it being a cottonwood, he was instantly enveloped in flames. A fellow guest uh, and Mitten's servant beat out the flames. Quote, the hiccup is gone, by God, he said, and reeled naked into bed. <laughs> I know. He's he's so good. <laughs> he's absolutely batshit. <laughs> but the moment that he's out, he's like, cured. Done. See how smart I am? <laughs> so, anyways, to end this on a bit of a sour note, he goes back to England after his stint in France. He ends up in prison because, you know, debts. Uh, and then he dies in 1834 from alcohol withdrawal. <laughs> Uh-huh. What a horrible way to drive. But he drank constantly. Like, to... He probably didn't get any alcohol in prison, so his body just immediately went into shock and was like, excuse me, excuse me, and then you just kaput, he's dead. <laughs> I know. So not a great end for our boy, but he had a hell of a weird life. And then I wrote a really wrote a really shitty joke at the end, and I just said, talk about a guy who burned the candle at both ends. And that is the story of Mad Jack Mitten.
That was a long one. <laughs> so listeners, I hope I hope that this longer episode helps satiate the the hole that we've left in your lives for four solid months and here's hoping we'll be able to keep this relatively consistent again now that we're back in the swing of things but uh again you know us no promises um (laughs) uh so anyways if you would uh like to rate review us whatever on wherever you get your podcasts apple Podcasts usually is where it helps out the most but anywhere else is good it helps other people find the show recommend us to your friends and if you want to go to Instagram to take a look at all of these beautiful photos that we were uh, discussing today. If you want to see what plastic surgery sentient looks like, go to (laughs) Outrageously Unnecessary on Instagram or go to Twitter, uh, which is at OUnnecessaryPod. We usually end up hosting a a poll for everyone to vote on the title of the podcast without any context at all. Um, Yeah, any parting words, Stephen? No? Ah, I was expecting something from you. Well, well, you had some good ones. They were, I begrudgingly say, good. (laughs) Alright, bye guys.